0: Hello everybody. Happy December the ninth. Welcome back to the podcast. Tim's getting coffee. He's gonna be here in just a second. Um We <laughs> We are so scripted. We are so scripted. But that's okay. Just the way it goes. And uh we got, we got some interesting stuff to talk about today though. The other day you drank my coffee. Don't do that again. Oh wow. You've been out for a couple of weeks. you hey, welcome back.
1: More than a couple of weeks. I feel like I've been gone for like 10 years
0: or something. Well, we did miss you. So. <clears throat> well, that's a good stuff right there. Um as always, if you're out there and you are watching us ramble on, um give us a thumbs up or give us a comment and share this thing. That's what that's what will help us is I mean, unless you're just embarrassed of us, don't do that. But, you know, if it's helpful to you share it and
1: no send us out as a term of embarrassment we'll do that you can even (laughs) label that up there this is an embarrassing thing to watch put it out there
0: don't do um we've been we've been teaching at uh, a church in athens um called the gates community church international and um also coleman alan coleman had us come out and tim was there wednesday night i was teaching here um at our church teaching the youth and so um Wanted to touch base a little bit on what you were touching, you were teaching on, um, and I, I listened to it and I, I'm, I'm stumbling a little bit because I don't want to, I don't want to give away the punchline either, but at the same time, well, um, give the punchline. Well, what we're, what we, we're, we're in there teaching, generally teaching. What we do is we teach kingdom vision. What does that mean? That means to try to see things the way God sees them and, and to look into the relationships and the things, the way God deals with people to figure out his nature and his character to see how he's dealing with stuff. But specifically, we're we're targeting, you know, training some elders and pastoral types and leadership yeah. type stuff. Now, it's in a general congregational setting, but, but targeting some of our teaching towards that. Um, and Tim was teaching Wednesday night about um, looking into... of the diff well i think basically if you had to if i had to title my sermon that's you hear preachers say that all the time was what i got out of it and tell me if this is wrong was is that an elder because that was kind of the the context someone who's in an elder position or maybe they're not in the official position but they still are an elder Mm -hmm. in the body of christ may not look exactly like you expect them to look
1: yeah so yeah 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 so one of the things that uh they were hoping that we would talk about over time uh, is the commitment of an elder in the position. You know, you're in the church, you know, and that there's, you know, there's sacrifice involved in that, there's time involved in that, those kind of things. Uh, And uh, there's all kinds of things out there you could read on these principles of how to lead or whatever you want to call it, it. And it would apply to an eldership if you're looking at it from a human perspective. But in the kingdom perspective, eldership, uh is basically a matured christian not just in bible knowledge not just that they pray not just that they do things Uh, these are guys that uh and i would say girls are in that so we're talking about a maturity level basically here the kingdom looks at it that that's somebody that knows how to hang out with god right uh and in terms of understanding who he is and when he initiates with you, I'm not going to say you know how to respond. I'm going to say that you respond. Yeah. If that makes sense. And so the way we did that Sunday uh, is I kind of found... uh, I looked at at the conversion of Paul, the, the Apostle Paul. So that's in Acts 9. And most people know the story, so we're not going to get too deep into that and if you don't read acts 9 <laughs> and uh the uh so he he goes to the church he gets letters from that church to go and attack people that are doing Christian church so he, he I guess he's talking to the Hebrews and the, the the their old way of doing church and you know what I'm not even really trying to talk negative about that they were doing it wrong uh, I think Paul was righteous in his acts and movements in that.
0: Well, he thought that what he was doing was for God.
1: Yeah, he did. He believed it. It was kind of arrogant, but he did. Uh, That's why I say it was genuine. At any rate, so he gets these letters. He's going to Damascus to catch Christian Jews and bring them up to answer for what they were doing. That's what he was doing. That's what he was doing when Stephen got stoned. Yeah. So, I mean, this guy's got a, he's a dangerous individual to the Christians, and they know that. So anyway, that's what he's going to do, and he's on his way, and God reveals himself to him in a pretty abrupt way, Uh, and he kind of responds. I'm going to say responds well. I don't know if I really mean it that way, (laughs) but he didn't know who hit him, and he's like, obviously you've got some capacity here and i'm out so who are you and what do you want me to do and he says i'm jesus i'm the guy you're persecuting uh, now get up and go to damascus and it says that he got up and it looks like he got up on his own physical power whether he got knocked off a horse or tripped and fell or whatever that happened but it was a, it was a dramatic deal for him it knocked him out where he forgot about he was mr paul the man he was going who or whatever you are (laughs) yeah i respect what you just did yeah uh he gets up and he's blind can't see so then we switch down and in damascus there is a guy named ananias now if you're familiar with church and all that you hear that name ananias and you think of ananias and sapphira yes and so uh this is not that ananias evidently it was a i actually looked up what ananias means and i can't remember what it was but uh it's kind of cool at any rate so they get this guy named ananias ananias is a nobody from nowhere from scriptural history and this is the only time we read about him now you see a lot of those throughout scriptural history which is kind of significant but the but god speaks to him in a vision And says, I want you to go down and meet Paul and lay hands on him and pray uh, for him. And there's this, he has a conversation with God. Uh, You know, you want me to go talk to that guy? Uh, From probably two different perspectives. Uh, Let's see here. He says, But Ananias answered. This is in verse 13, chapter 9. Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints in Jerusalem.
0: Yeah.
1: And so little, he knew he
0: knew who Paul was. Saul. I don't
1: think he'd ever dealt with him, but he knew what, who he was and what he was doing. And so Ananias makes that initial statement. And as a side note in there, uh, when he says your saints, it's not like mine and your saints. It's kingdom saints. Yeah, that's the word that he uses, uh, and so he says that uh, this, how much harm this uh, he did to your saints in Jerusalem, and here in this place he has authority. Those letters uh, from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name, and so he has a. He comes back to God, and he says. I think he's indignant a little bit with Paul, but he's scared of him too. Yeah.
0: And uh, he well, t- it, it's got some hints, but not in the not in the uh, not in the um, rebellious sense. Right. But there's some hints of even the words like Jonah, when mm-hmm. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, he's like, I ain't going. Yeah, and he I, straight I, up told him, I ain't, no, I ain't going. Huh? Ain't doing that. And he didn't want to go because he didn't want the Ninevites to be saved. We know that by the end of the deal, he was mad at God because he saved him. That's not the tone of Ananias' Yeah, that's not the tone here. But it is. He was like, "You want me to go?" To, I was telling Tim the other day when we were talking about this. I like to do analogies, you know, that make a little bit more sense to us. It was almost like if you were in uh, in Prague in World War II, and you were a Jew, you're wearing the star, and yeah. the leader of the Gestapo was coming to town, and got knocked off of his motorcycle. <laughs> and the Lord comes to you in a vision and says, "I want you to go to the leader of the local Gestapo. He's coming to arrest all of you guys and put you on a train. But I want you to go pray for him because he's been he's seen a vision. He's he's expecting you. That's the feel of what's happening. Yeah, in that's, it, in that's a
1: good. I think that's a good way to to put it. And Ananias is not really. I wouldn't even say this is arguing. He's. Are you sure this is he, what you're asking? He's laying out a clarity. Yeah. Uh, he's not questioning God. And that's a, that's a different conversation that we had earlier about that. Uh, and God responds to him and says, Go, for he is chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the son of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, we read this story, and if, you, if you're, uh, golly, I don't even know how to say this without sounding offensive, and I don't mean it that way. If you're just kind of a a casual Christian individual and you're familiar with all the stories, you're reading this and and your focus is really on Paul because you know who he is, right? Uh, And you give him credibility. So I want you to not do that. Keep that back out. Paul is a mean, evil, vindictive individual relative to the Christians in this story and so that's i'm I'm setting that up because god comes to ananias and ananias is like
0: because we never
1: think we we'll look at somebody and we'll think you know that's somebody god couldn't even convert or deal with i've even experienced that personally in two or three different places so i'm looking at this at a whole in a whole different light but that's what ananias as close as he was to god and part of our conversation is is how we know that so i'm I'm just painting the story here uh Ananias has this conversation with him and uh uh and god says he he really didn't even register uh hey man, I understand your concern, and I can see I, he he it's like it didn't even yeah that <clears> that that was of no issue to God, and he just says, no, you need to go on down
0: there well. But I'll push back a little bit. I don't know that it was of no issue because of what he says to him afterwards. He actually, to me, and I Oh let let me open the door and say, I'll 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 even take somebody, you know, right in or whatever and say, No, I think you're pressing that too far. But here's the way God's response strikes me. If I was Ananias saying, Dude, are you sure that guy? Jesus says, or the Lord says, He says, Yes, go. You gotta go do this. I'm going to show him how much he's going to suffer, for my namesake. There would be a part of me that would say, "Oh well, good. He's not not that he's going to get his, <laughs> yeah. but what that tells me is is that God's not going to let him continue to be what he was. Mm-hmm. There's there's implication in Jesus in the Lord's response. I've got something I'm about to do with him." that you don't know, you can't see. I'm just telling you, he's gonna, he's fixing to get run through it. And you don't need to worry about it. And you don't need to worry about <laughs> what it. What you need to do is go. Well, and, and the whole thing that we're talking about here is that we, here's what our ministry does, is we look at relationships between God and the Lord and people and things in the Scriptures, and the whole point is to try to figure out the nature and the character of God, not only leaving it at the academic, what does this word mean and this word say, what's happening here? How can we make the assertion that Ananias was a guy who had a good, deep relationship with the Lord that had spent real time with him? How can we make that assertion? There's three things that stand out to me in this story right off the bat. And if if we were talking in the context of elders and leadership, I know I, I would paint Ananias as someone who was an elder in the faith, maybe even little e., even if he wasn't capital E holding a position, right? He was somebody to be trusted, listened to, and you know would be a great mentor, disciple maker. That's a guy I would listen to. Exactly. when he's
1: telling me things about God. He's
0: E. F. Hutton. Wait, if you're if you're under forty, you don't, <laughs> you don't know who know what that is. is. But there was a, they had an investment firm <laughs> yeah. back in the back in the day, and their commercial was when E. F. Hutton talks, everybody listens. That was their tagline. So, Ananias would be an E.F. Hutton. But here's what strikes me. Number one, the first thing that gets me about Ananias is that he heard the Lord. Well, there's four that God spoke to him. Number yeah. one. Now, you know, somebody's out there, well, God speaks to everybody. You I mean, he specifically, intentionally, through a vision, spoke to Ananias. Yeah. Okay. He took the time to do it. One. Number two, Ananias received it, heard it. Um, and he didn't just. He didn't receive it like uh what's the name in the story of daniel the king uh nebuchadnezzar. nebuchadnezzar he didn't receive it with confusion right he received it with a recognition of who was speaking he knew god was talking <laughs> here i am here i am samuel here i am send me it was and so what does that tell us let's look past the text not not disregard it but what does the text tell us about that well he recognized god's voice so God spoke to him. He heard it. And I would tell you,
1: so part of where we're getting at is, is an elder recognizes when God speaks. Yeah. Uh, that's a characteristic. And you, and you might say, well, yeah, I'd recognize it if God speaks. Part of that's true. So if you've been through salvation, basically what's happening in that is, is that God has revealed himself to you. It's not because somebody built up all this. Well, maybe it is. Maybe you've been in church and all this stuff, and you get saved, so you have some background. That's what happened to Paul, yeah. right? Paul had all kinds of really good stuff implanted on him already, and he was able to, to deal with it. But people that don't have a clue or been around or anything like that, God reveals Himself, and and they don't know it in all of its context and all that. But basically, He says, "I'm God, and I'm here, and I want you're going to be a part of Me, and you get to go." Okay, <laughs> I'm here, yeah. or nah, no. don't want that. And so, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I just had a stupid attack again. Uh, Oh, speaking to him. But this is a picture of somebody who has been around, Mm -hmm. not just in intellectual Bible study, not just in associating good things and how it works and all that. This is a guy who... What we call being in the face of God, and he's
0: experienced at it at he, some yeah. level, you might even call it he's been walking with the Lord.
1: well, how do we know that? Well, because this conversation, and this is New Testament, yeah, he's a saved guy, the spirit's already around, just like what we live in,
0: yeah,
1: and he's having conversations like Moses had with God, right, right, and so. I'm seeing somebody, and when I say conversation, what I was saying was, is you say, well, I'd have a, I, I could respond to God like that. I, it's different if you
0: spent some time. This is the kind of stuff that you get. Well, and that's the third thing. Okay. God spoke, He heard it, but then He, He responded back to the Lord, and you see this throughout Scripture. Yeah, and it's and and it's it's. I preached a sermon some months ago, maybe a year ago, about the response people have when they come face-to-face with the glory of the Lord and they go down as dead men, and there's that. This is a depiction that's beyond that initial Mm, uh, exposure. Okay. It's beyond that, oh my goodness, there he is, because Moses had that at the burning bush.
1: And that's, and yeah, so when he reveals himself, that's kind of the response. It's the you response
0: have. take off your shoes on holy ground. What did he do? He ate dirt. That's yeah. what he did. And trembled and blah, yeah. blah, blah. But then you see Moses and his relationship with the Lord move beyond that to where the scriptures describe it as God talked to him like a friend. Yes. And you see when the golden calves, all the whole deal God's, I'm going to destroy these nasty people. I'm tired of them. They've all they've done is complain. They're going down. And what does Moses do? Does he go, "Okay, Lord, we'll start over"? That's not what he does. He says, "You can't do that. Yeah, I don't want you to do that." He defi- He stands between the people and the Lord and has a conversation. Yeah, and he's not belligerent. He's not being insubordinate.
1: Right, he's right, talking right.
0: with him as a friend. I was telling Tim uh, beforehand uh, to to give an analogy. It it doesn't. I, I was what I, the story that I was telling was. Uh, I have a. Uh, my brother, who's in the, the Air Force, and he's a, a chief master sergeant. I think that's the right na- label, chief master sergeant. He's the highest enlisted man you can get. He's in the command, the command unit. Of his he's
1: a chief master sergeant. Chief Ma-
0: yeah, they, they. Now I get to call him chief at Christmas. Yeah. Um, but he's in there with the officers in meetings and stuff. He's the enlisted man's high guy. And he's got officers above him in his wing, and, and he was just telling a story. I don't remember the substance of the story, but what stuck to me in the story was the base commander had questions for everybody. There was a logistics thing. They were getting ready to, I don't know if it was deployed or do maneuvers, do something. And it was a base, base-wide thing. And the officer above him you know, spoke into it for his people, but the base commander, if I remember correctly, turned to, to my brother said chief, I want to hear from you. Well, protocol says I've got an officer sitting right here yeah. that speaks for me and I'm do what he says. Yes. But the commander said, "I want to hear from you and you've got the floor." Well, that's not a time to well, you know, and do belly button gazing. It's no, he <laughs> wanted to hear what you had to say. Yes. And though your rank may be different, that was an opportunity he said, "Commander, Whatever the colonel, whatever he they are, in there for, whatever that level was, I think this is a good idea. Or I think this is a bad idea, and here's why. Here's what permission to speak freely. You see the movie. Permission to speak freely. Sure, whatever. And that's the vision that I get of Ananias talking to the Lord. Yeah, that's probably a. He's now you know who you're telling me to go see now. This is Paul, and and he's not saying surely you don't know. He's he's yeah. clarifying. Yeah. And it's important to me the response that Jesus gives because it's it's not just just go and you don't get any details. He actually gave him some details. He did give him some details. He said, "You go and I'm." He didn't tell him tell him you go and you're going to be okay. He said, "You go and I'll take care of the rest." Yeah, and that's different. Well, and that's accepting and not.
1: Uh, Ananias trusts God. That's exactly right. And so he takes him at his word, and it says that he went, he found him, and he laid hands on him. Now, I'm going to tell you, and this doesn't say this, but just from living and being, uh, whether it's in ministry or some of the dangerous stuff I've done in my life, uh, under orders of people like that, I trust them to go. And I, Ananias has been prepared for this, or God would have never shown himself for that. I mean, prepared for that. Some of it may be on his hand, but I mean, God has yeah. led him to be at a position and has probably spent time with him. And I'm not saying they've had conversations like this in the past, but he recognized who he was talking to and he responded to him. And just like you said, he was past this awestruck thing whenever God showed up. You may think, well, that's blasphemous. You can't do that. Well, sure you can.
0: We we have m- multiple examples in scripture of where there's an intimacy with the father. There's an intimacy through the Holy spirit that it never transcends the awe. It's always there, yeah, it's always there. but you learn to operate in it. Yeah. Just like
1: Moses did. That's why yeah. I pointed him out that that's, you see the same conversations there. You see him with, uh, uh, uh who took over Moses's place, Joshua, you see conversations with Joshua and anyway, same, same, you see this, this thing fold out. You only get that by spending time with the Lord. Right. And so uh, anyway, my point is Ananias goes and does it. But I guarantee you he probably wasn't Mr. Confident, goes busting in, pull a, slams this door open and goes, Where's I am this boy Paul at? <laughs> I am Ananias. I am here. <laughs> he, he probably was a little trepidatious walking into that herd. Just and, like the analogy
0: you gave the the Jew... Is going to pray for the Gestapo man. Well, I guarantee, I I have the, I I think visually, and I can see Ananias knocking on the door, got word where Paul is, you know, and then wherever that is, it would have probably been known because he was still with his traveling companions. Yes. Which were the Jews coming to get the Christians. Yes. And so wherever they were intending to go, that's probably where they were. And it was probably not a secret, whether it was at the synagogue or wherever. Well, he told him where it was at. He gave him specific directions. That's right, he did. The street and the address, basically. And so I can see him knocking on the door and his hand just shaking. You know, I kind of can too, but at the same time, I'm thinking of this, you know, when you carry the authority of the creator. Or you mean a creator
1: that knows what they're doing. So in the room where you just gave, uh, in that case, the base commander or the wing commander, whatever he was, he was a muckety-muck in that yeah. big environment.
0: But he was tested and proven.
1: and uh, uh, And has real authority. Yeah. And he looks at your brother and says, tell me what you think, chief. Now, a chief has been in the military for... 25 plus years Yep. <laughs> somebody that's been around for a while yep and not really intimidated by authority to a big extent because they've spent time with them Yep. but respects it heavily yep. and so he he can speak yeah with position well in, in his- that regard so when Ananias is going up and knocking on this door I don't think he was kind of weakly knocking on the door. He did have some courage. He probably went up and knocked on the door, but he was still kind of going, whoever answers that door.
0: Well, that was the fourth thing that I, that, that hit me, was he did obey, but he didn't just obey. He obeyed and set aside his miscon- his misgivings. Yes. He was able to... That's real obedience. He was able to, yes. God spoke... He heard and recognized, and he obeyed even though he had trepidation about it. Yeah, He was able to move in the spirit of the Lord of obedience in spite of what his flesh was telling him because he trusted the one telling him. Combat veterans would tell you that's moving under fire. Right. <laughs> and that is an elder, yes. whether it's positional or functional yes. or just by time in the saddle. Absolutely. And you see that all through the Scripture. I'm not sure about this, Lord, but if that's what you want to do.
1: And I was telling you earlier not to focus on Paul being the issue here. Uh, Because we see Paul. We know that he was an elder, an apostle. We don't want to get into all those arguments. But my point is is that he positionally could act like Ananias here. Don't miss Ananias in this picture. He was a part of Paul doing what he did. And you never hear about him again.
0: Yeah, if it wasn't for Ananias, where would Paul be? And that's kind of the, the way you want to look at it. Is there was a situation that God wanted to move Paul through, and how did He want to do it? He used Ananias to do it. Ananias like had the capacity to say, "I'm not going to go. In no way, I'm going into that third world country where they might kill me, even though you said so." You know, <laughs> fill in the blank. Yeah. Yeah. However, he was able to go because of the trust that he had. Now, here here's the thing that we we I think we always have to boil it down to. And here's what people will say. Well, how do you get to be that guy? How do you get to be Ananias? Give me the five things. Give me the, if we were writing a book, it would be the seven things to become a leader like Ananias or whatever. There isn't one. There's only one way to get to that place and that's spending time with the Lord. And that's why every time we talk, It almost seems redundant. Redundant in the first order. But it's not, and it's not trite. Yeah. It's wrestling with God like Jacob. It's being in God's face like Moses. It's in utter submission to whatever he wants, but it's a constant pursuit of who are you. And it looks like opening this book up and devouring it and praying and asking God to reveal and going back and asking people that have been there and, and, it's a constant, relentless pursuit of the Lord. That's yeah. why I think Paul told Timothy when he said, go out and appoint elders in these new churches. He said, I believe it's 2 Timothy 3, I think. Somebody correct me on that if it's not. He said, don't lay hands on them too quickly. Yeah. In other words, you give them some time in the saddle because if they can't relentlessly pursue the face of God, they're not going to be able to hear, discuss, and obey in spite of trepidation. They're not going to be able to, and that's the requirement. Yeah, That's the fundamental requirement. Now, are there requirements and qualifications given in here for a man that would fit that role in the position of leading in a congregation? Yes, there are. But underneath every single one of them, is a desire for and a practice of relentlessly pursuing the face of god to learn who he is
1: that's almost their natural default yes and they're an elder without even being one
0: that's, it, it means the same
1: way but yeah
0: they just we have some some guys in our church and i will use this as an example that are uh, they're deacons and we we talk about this ad, ad nauseum with with some guys at church um they don't hold an official office of deacon there's no there's no lapel tip, pin or you know or anything like that but they do the work of a deacon because yeah. it's their gifting and it's what they do and they serve they literally do serve the widows and they're out there taking out the trash and when somebody's in need they're taking care of it because they are deacons yes whether they're holding that office or not is irrelevant they're doing the work um, and if you got to a place where you're like hmm we need some deacons we need to install one or two. What do we, who, well, wonder who it would be. It, it wouldn't take long to figure out, well, here's, here's five guys that are doing it already. Yeah. We, we you know, we, and, and you're, you see what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. It's because it's, a, it's an outflow of who we are as people, as a gifting or whatever. Now, somebody may be sitting out there going, yeah, but I don't aspire to the office of an elder. I just want to walk with the Lord. Well, it looks the same. (laughs) It looks the same. It looks the same. Man, does it look the same. And you may never hold an official position, but becoming a mature believer, and I guess that's what, we get hung up on the title. Yeah. Really maybe a better way to say it was, what does it look like to be a mature believer? Yeah. I told the students on Wednesday night, you know, following Jesus is way more than belonging to an organization or belonging to a group yeah uh, that's what we've boiled it down to you know to get on the boat so to speak um but that's not it it's a lifestyle it is a falling there's a song that talks about it need, it's a falling in love with somebody and that causes you to be different and and so we're talking about that maturity not just ascending to a position but you can't ascend to the position unless you're already in the play in the in the as the person, and you do that by just pursuing the Lord.
1: Yeah, and you may say, well, God doesn't talk to me. I disagree. I would disagree with that. If you love the Lord, it's learning what that sounds like. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're in a place, and, and when I say in a place, I'm talking about just who you are personally and where you do that. I'm not talking about being in a position of not an elder or deacon, whatever, or a geographic or position um if you're man, my brain is just terrible today, speaking, God doesn't speak to me, well, he does well, I will say if you're in a position because that's a good analogy. I'm not beating you up if you are and you don't see it this way. But if you're being posted in a position, elder, deacon, nursery worker, whatever it is, uh, you're trying to live up to that position. I guarantee you you are. I would too. Uh, You want to do a good job. Want to do a good job. And maybe you weren't the best Christian. And what I mean by that, really knowing what you're doing. In the military, you find people all the time that are thrust in positions to have to deal with something, ain't got a clue. (laughs) Uh, And so that's not necessarily a bad thing. But what I am telling you is is if if you are in a position where people are looking to you and you haven't naturally, well, you haven't supernaturally been put in that place because you haven't spent the time. And I guarantee everybody in position is guilty. They feel guilty because I I know I haven't spent the time trying to be this or do that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I think we've probably all done that. But somebody that's looking for you to pursue the kingdom, yes, you pursue the kingdom and those things, but don't pursue the kingdom so you can hold the spot. Right. And we talked about, well, God doesn't talk to me. Don't get lost in that. You may be doing it in a way where, well, if God speaks to me, it has to look like this. Right. You can't put God in a box like that. He
0: is the creator, so he can do things that seem supernatural to you, but they're like breathing to him. And that was the whole Wednesday night, the contrast that was made between Ananias and Elisha. is we see Elisha doing all, he was the prophet of God in the Old Testament, and it was like, you know, it just, in, it was intuitive. Yes. You know, it was like he woke up in the morning knowing what the Lord wanted him to do and talk with him and whatever. Poor Jahazi, his guy, you know, in the story that we used Wednesday, didn't know what was happening. He had to pray. That his eyes would be opened. Oh, look. And, and we, we kind of hold these guys up like, well, that's what we expect the yeah. prophet of God. to This is what we expect it to look like when God speaks. Well, the flip side of that is Ananias. Just a guy hanging out at the house. Yeah. Hearing hearing the news stories come over the wire about this (laughs) good Saul coming out to round up all the Christians. Yeah. And has a vision about it. Yes. And it it abruptly interrupts his daily life. And he's not Elisha. He's just a guy pursuing and walking with the Lord in his local context. Yes. He's just a guy. And, and, we're always talking about the humanity of the of the biblical characters because it's so easy to forget that they were people yeah dealing with all of the junk that we deal with and,
1: and whatever your junk you're dealing with
0: you can find a scenario where that's there <laughs> and you may have to look for it sometimes <clears throat> yeah but i mean to, to wrap up one of the, the thing we wanted to, to really talk about today was i'll use the term elders but put a a little lowercase e on it. Uh, Let's use the word mature believers. Yeah. Mature believers don't always look like what you expect them to look like, especially if you think the only thing they can look like is Elisha. Yeah. Or the pastor. Yeah. Or fill in the blank. I would say that those guys are mature, but I also have met some really mature people that never held an office. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll give you a case in point. I don't have it in here anymore. I don't think. Yeah, I do. There's a wooden. You can't see it. There's a wooden sign behind me, and it's called the King's Daughters. And it was a, a plaque on the outside of a Sunday school room at Martin's Mill Baptist Church, and it was the widows.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: Miss Johnny was in there. Your aunt Johnny was in there, and um, Miss Lena was in there for a while. Mm. Um, and uh. I just lost her name. Uh, Miss Virginia? Miss Virginia. And uh, Miss Johnny was a real tall lady. She was like 6'2", six 6'3", six something like that. I mean, I don't know. She was tall. And uh, I'd see her at church every Sunday. And uh, she'd bend down and kiss me on the forehead right here every single time she saw me and just loved on me. And you'd walk in that room with those ladies, and they'd have their big old Bibles open, super giant print because they were old and couldn't see. And you would just listen to them talk. I would love to just sit in there and listen to them. And then there's Miss Virginia, whose husband went up into the pasture to do something on the tractor and didn't come back. And she went up and found him. He'd had an accident, and he died there. And she buried several children. Yeah. And every year on her birthday, the Sunday after her birthday, she would stand up in front of the church and give her testimony of how God had been good to her that year. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget one of the last times she did it. I was waiting for the big warm fuzzy, and she stood up there and asked the church to forgive her and asked God to grant her repentance. we're like, what? You're like 90 years old? You are a soldier, a, a hero of the faith. And she started confessing bitterness and anger towards people that she needed to let down, that she'd been holding on to. And some of them were in the room.
1: That's somebody that converses with the Lord right there.
0: Every single day. And when yeah. you talked to them, and so why am I talking about them? Because they never held a position of elder. Yeah. They never were a deacon. They were just elders of the faith. They were mature believers. And you could tell when you talked with them, Uh, Mother Singleton at the gates. Yeah. We sat down and talked with her a few weeks ago before church started, and we're just listening to her talk. And I look over, and Tim and I are both tears coming. (laughs) Just listen because the Spirit's just oozing out of her in everyday conversation. That's somebody who spent time with the Lord. That's powerful stuff.
1: And my comment about, well, God doesn't speak to me. He is speaking to you. And part of that learning curve is learning when he's doing that and how he does it for you because how he speaks to me baby. completely different you got visions you got just sounds like just outside conversation you got spirit conviction i mean there's all kinds of you things got the that.
0: word you've got yes. the testimony of others and and we know he does that because of what he said about moses oh, he says yeah. i don't talk to him in riddles and story visions like i do the prophets so they had to figure it out he said no i tell i talk to him plainly yeah so well but that's not prescriptive meaning everything is one way or the other it just what do we know about the nature and the character of god from that that he communicates differently with different people at his own behest and his own whatever yeah but the promise that we have in the new testament is that his sheep hear his voice and know it Even if you don't want to hear it. Even if you don't want to hear it. (laughs) Even if he's saying, go pray over the Gestapo. Whatever he's saying, the thing that strikes me about Ananias is is when the shepherd spoke, the sheep understood. Yes, they did. He never questioned whether or not God was speaking. He was clarifying what he was wanting him to do. Yeah. And once that was clarified, he went because of who was speaking. That's the mark yeah that's the mark of the mature believer, that, yeah. that we're always pushing to because people in our culture, it's just it's the air we breathe. How do I become a better ex? Fill in the blank. Take these two gummies every morning and be a better whatever, you know, take lose, a <laughs> lose thirty pounds with no x. Ex- I mean that's that's the culture we live in right. And people want to know how what are my ten steps to becoming a better Christian? There's really only one that you have to start with, and that's you gotta pursue. Well, and that little... kind of
1: brings to the point here. We gotta we gotta we'll land this up. thing. Yeah. <clears throat> I listen to Matt tell me about the kingdom so I'll know what God wants me to do. That's a legitimate teaching function, but the mature Christian, the elder type, God tells you himself. Yeah. Now I'm telling you that from my own walk. I listen to people I respect. But I spend time with the Lord and and work that out, and He reveals things to me. And sometimes it's not easy, and sometimes it's plain as day. Yeah. Uh, but the mature Christian is the one that's getting it straight out of him, just like these old ladies he was talking about in the room. You couldn't go in there without watching them going over the Scriptures with each other, and it's like the angels are sitting there talking about the oh, kingdom. Man,
0: it was incredible.
1: Yeah that's that's people who know what god sounds like and like spending
0: time with him well and and even if you're listening to someone that you respect that's why we teach the bible study training be a berean what did they do it says they were more noble than the thessalonians because they checked everything that they heard to make sure it was so just because i respect Tim doesn't mean that everything tim says is right it's too no it's not and, but through the scriptures and the reveal, when God reveals things to us in the scriptures through the spirit, through prayer, through Tim, through somebody else, through whatever, it's still God revealing himself. Yeah. That's how. And so, how do I become a mature Christian? You pursue the Lord. Well, I don't know how to pursue the Lord. Well, that's a problem because it's actually not a complicated process. You get in here, you pray, and you ask Him, you just. You, I'm trying to think of an analogy for. Pursuing well, I would order. tell you if you
1: say I don't know how to pursue him, or I have and he hadn't said anything. He probably has. He just didn't do
0: it the way you, you thought he should. Be. Yeah. So yeah, I would that. I would encourage you to chill out yes. and keep at it. Yes. You may be in the desert for a while. You may, but that doesn't mean he's not there. Yes. Bible study, prayer, fellowship with the saints, worship—those are the things, the important things that help us pursue God um there's no checklist there's no formula and i will i would even go as so far as to say when you're in that dark spot of you're not even sure about anything that that quiet place of prayer that has a genuine heart that says i don't know but i sure would like to yeah it's a good place to be that's a good place to be appreciate you we'll yeah. holler at y'all next time man i'm glad you're back today me too good to have you good to have somebody to talk to We love you guys. I don't know if anybody was even listening today, but if you listen to it on the backside, see you later. We love you all. If I can get my mouse to work, we're actually going to get out of here. Hello everybody, happy December the 9th, welcome back to the podcast. Tim's getting coffee, he's going to be here in just a second. Um, we <laughs> we are so scripted. <laughs> we are so scripted, but that's okay, just the way it goes. And uh, we, got, we got some interesting stuff to talk about today though. The other day you drank my coffee, don't do that again. Oh, wow. Oh. You've been out for a couple of weeks. How are you? welcome back.
1: More than a couple of weeks. I feel like I've been gone for like 10 years or something. Well,
0: we did miss you. So.
1: <clears throat> well,
0: that's a good stuff right there. Um as always, if you're out there and you are watching us ramble on, um give us a thumbs up or give us a comment and share this thing. That's what that's what will help us is I mean, unless you're just embarrassed of us, don't do that. But, you know, if it's helpful to you share it and
1: no send us out as a term of embarrassment we'll do that you can even (laughs) label that up there this is an embarrassing thing to watch put it out there
0: don't do um we've been we've been teaching at uh, a church in athens um called the gates community church international and um also coleman alan coleman had us come out and tim was there wednesday night i was teaching here um at our church teaching the youth and so um Wanted to touch base a little bit on what you were touching, you were teaching on, um, and I, I listened to it and I, I'm I'm stumbling a little bit because I don't want to I don't want to give away the punchline either, but at the same time, um, we'll give the punchline. Well, what we're what we we're, we're in there teaching, generally teaching what we do is we teach kingdom vision. What does that mean? That means to try to see things the way God sees them and, and to look into the relationships and the things, the way God deals with people to figure out his nature and his character to see how he's dealing with stuff. But specifically we're, we're targeting, you know, training some elders and pastoral types and leadership yeah. type stuff. Now it's in a general congregational setting, but, but targeting some of our teaching towards that. Um, and Tim was teaching Wednesday night about um, looking into Kind of the diff. Well, I think basically, if you had to, if I had to title my sermon, that's what you hear preachers say that all the time. Was what I got out of it, and tell me if this is wrong. Was is that an elder? Because that was kind of the the context. Someone who's in an elder position, or maybe they're not in the official position, but they still are an elder mm-hmm. in the body of Christ. May not look exactly like you expect them to look. Yeah. No, so then, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So <clears throat> one of the things that. uh they were hoping that we would talk about over time uh, is the commitment of an elder in the position. You know, you're in the church, you know, and that there's, you know, there's sacrifice involved in that, there's time involved in that, those kind of things. Uh, And uh, there's all kinds of things out there you could read on these principles of how to lead or whatever you want to call it, it, and it would apply to an eldership if you're looking at it from a human perspective. But in the kingdom perspective, eldership uh is basically a matured christian not just in bible knowledge not just that they pray not just that they do things uh these are guys that uh and i would say girls are in that so we're talking about a maturity level basically here the kingdom looks at it that that's somebody that knows how to hang out with god right uh and in terms of understanding who he is and when he Initiates with you. I'm not going to say you know how to respond. I'm going to say that you respond. Yeah, if that makes sense. And so the way we did that Sunday uh, is I kind of found. Uh, I looked at I looked at the conversion of Paul the the apostle Paul. So that's in Acts nine. And most people know the story, so we're not going to get too deep into that. And if you don't, read Acts 9. (laughs) And, uh, the, uh, so he, he goes to the church. He gets letters from that church to go and attack people that are doing Christian church. So he, he, I guess he's talking to the Hebrews and, uh, the, the, their old way of doing church. And you know what? I'm not even really trying to talk negative about that. They were doing it wrong. Uh, I think Paul was righteous in his acts and
0: movements in that. Well, he thought that what he was doing was for God.
1: Yeah, he did. He believed it. It was kind of arrogant, but he did. Uh, That's why I say it was genuine. At any rate, so he gets these letters. He's going to Damascus to catch Christian Jews and bring them up to answer for what they were doing. That's what he was doing. That's what he was doing when Stephen got stoned. Yeah. So, I mean, this guy's got a, he's a dangerous individual to the Christians, and they know that. So, anyway, that's what he's going to do, and he's on his way, and God reveals himself to him in a pretty abrupt way, Uh, and he kind of responds, I'm going to say responds well. I don't know if I really mean it that way, (laughs) but he didn't know who hit him, and he's like, obviously you've got some capacity here and i'm out so who are you and what do you want me to do and he says i'm jesus i'm the guy you're persecuting uh, now get up and go to damascus and it says that he got up and it looks like he got up on his own physical power whether he got knocked off a horse or tripped and fell or whatever that happened but it was a it was a dramatic deal for him it knocked him out where he forgot about he was mr paul the man he was going who or whatever you are
0: <laughs> yeah
1: i respect what you just did yeah uh he gets up and he's blind can't see so then we switch down and in damascus there is a guy named ananias now if you're familiar with church and all that you hear that name ananias and you think of ananias and Sapphira. Yes and so uh this is not that ananias evidently it was a i actually looked up what ananias means and i can't remember what it was but uh it's kind of cool at any rate so they get this guy named ananias ananias is a nobody from nowhere from scriptural history and this is the only time we read about him now you see a lot of those throughout scriptural history which is kind of significant uh but the but god speaks to him in a vision and says i want you to go down and meet paul and lay hands on him and pray uh for him and there's this he has a conversation with god Uh, you know you want me to go talk to that guy uh from probably two different perspectives uh let's see here he says but ananias answered this is in verse 13 chapter 9 Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints in Jerusalem.
0: Yeah. He knew knew who Paul was. I don't
1: think he'd ever dealt with him, but he knew who he was and what he was doing. And so Ananias makes that initial statement. And as a side note in there, uh, when he says your saints, it's not like mine and your saints. It's kingdom saints. Yeah, that's the word that he uses, uh, and so he says that uh, this, how much harm this he did to your saints in Jerusalem, and here in this place he has authority. Those letters uh, from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name, and so he has a. He comes back to God, and he says. I think he's indignant a little bit with Paul, but he's scared of
0: him too. Yeah. And uh, he... well, it, it's got some hints, but not in the not in the uh, not in the um, rebellious sense. Right. But there's some hints of even the words like Jonah, when mm-hmm. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, he's like, I ain't going. Yeah, I mean, he straight I, up told him, I ain't, I ain't going. Huh? Ain't doing that. And he didn't want to go because he didn't want the Ninevites to be saved. We know that by the end of the deal, he was mad at God because he saved them. That's not the tone of Ananias Yeah, that's not the tone here. But it is, he was like, you want me to go to, I was telling Tim the other day when we were talking about this, I like to do analogies, you know, that make a little bit more sense to us. It was almost like if you were in in Prague in World War II, and you were a Jew, you're wearing the star, and the leader of the Gestapo was coming to town and got knocked off of his motorcycle, <laughs> and the Lord comes to you in a vision and says, "I want you to go to the leader of the local Gestapo. He's coming to arrest all of you guys and put you on a train. But I want you to go pray for him because he's been he's seen a vision. He's 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 expecting you. That's the feel of what's happening. Yeah, in that's it, that's in a it.
1: good. I think that's a good way to to put it. And Ananias is not really. I wouldn't even say this is arguing. He's. Are you sure this is he, what you're asking? He's laying out a clarity. Yeah. Uh, he's not questioning God, and that's a, that's a different conversation that we had earlier about that. Uh, and God responds to him and says, "Go, for he is chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the son of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name'sake." Now, we read this story, and if you if you're uh, golly, I don't even know how to say this without sounding offensive, and I don't mean it that way if you're just kind of a a casual christian individual and you're familiar with all the stories you're reading this and you and your focus is really on paul because you know who he is right Uh, and you give him credibility so i want you to not do that keep that back out paul is a mean evil vindictive individual relative to the christians in this story and so that's i'm I'm setting that up because god comes to ananias and ananias is like because we never think we will look at somebody and we'll think you know that's somebody god couldn't even convert or deal with i've even experienced that personally in two or three different places so i'm looking at this at a whole in a whole different light but that's what ananias as close as he was to god and part of our conversation is is how we know that so i'm I'm just painting the story here uh Ananias has this conversation with him and uh, uh and god says he he really didn't even register uh hey man, I understand your concern, and I can see I, he he it's like it didn't even yeah that <clears> that that was of no issue to God, and he just says, no,
0: you need to go on down there well but i'll push back a little bit i don't know that it was of no issue because of what he says to him afterwards he actually to me and i oh let, let me open the himself. door and say I'll, I'll i'll even take somebody you know right in or whatever and say no i think you're pressing that too far but here's the way god's response strikes me if i was ananias saying dude are you sure that guy jesus says or the lord says he says yes go you got to go do this I'm going to show him how much he's going to suffer for my namesake. There would be a part of me that would say, "Oh, well good. He's not not that he's going to get his, <laughs> yeah. but what that tells me is is that God's not going to let him continue to be what he was. Mm-hmm. There's there's implication in Jesus in the Lord's response. I've got something I'm about to do with him that you don't know, you can't see. I'm just telling you, he's gonna, he's fixing to get run through it. And you don't need to worry about it. And you don't <laughs> need to worry about what it. What you need to do is go. Well, and and the whole thing that we're talking about here is that we, here's what our ministry does, is we look at relationships between God and the Lord and people and things in the scriptures, and the whole point is to try to figure out the nature and the character of God, not only leaving it at the... Academic, what does this word mean and this word say? What's happening here? How can we make the assertion that Ananias was a guy who had a good, deep relationship with the Lord that had spent real time with him? How can we make that assertion? There's three things that stand out to me in this story right off the bat. And if if we were talking in the context of elders and leadership, I know I, I would paint Ananias as someone who was an elder in the faith, maybe even little e. Even if he wasn't capital E holding a position, right, he was somebody to be trusted, listened to, and you know would be a great mentor, disciple maker. That's it's a guy way. I would listen to exactly. when he's telling me things about God. He's E. F. Hutton. Wait, if you're if you're under forty, you don't, <laughs> you don't know who know what that is. is. But there was a, <laughs> they an investment firm yeah. back in the back in the day, and their commercial was when E. F. Hutton talks, everybody listens. That was their tagline so ananias would be an ef hutton but here's what strikes me number one the first thing that gets me about ananias is that he heard the lord well there's four that god spoke to him number one now you know somebody's out there well god speaks to everybody you know i mean he specifically intentionally through a vision spoke to ananias okay he took the time to do it one number two ananias received it heard it um and he didn't just He didn't receive it like uh what's the name in the story of daniel the king uh nebuchadnezzar nebuchadnezzar he didn't receive it with confusion right he received it with a recognition of who was speaking he knew god was talking (laughs) here i am here i am samuel here i am send me it was and so what does that tell us let's look past the text not not disregard it but what does the text tell us about that well he recognized god's voice so God spoke to me; He heard it. And I would tell you, so part of where we're getting at is, is an
1: elder recognizes when God speaks. Yeah. Uh, that's a characteristic. And you, and you might say, well, yeah, I'd recognize it if God speaks. Part of that's true. So if you've been through salvation, basically what's happening that is, is that God has revealed himself to you. It's not because somebody built up all this. Well, maybe it is. Maybe you've been in church and all this stuff, and you get saved, so you have some background. That's what happened to Paul, yeah. right? Paul had all kinds of really good stuff implanted on him already, and he was able to, to deal with that. But people that don't have a clue or been around or anything like that, God reveals Himself, and and they don't know it in all of its context and all that. But basically, He says, "I'm God, and I'm here, and I want you're going to be a part of Me, and you get to go." Okay. <laughs> I'm here, yeah. or nah, no. don't want that. And so, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I just had a stupid attack again. Uh, Oh, speaking to him. But this is a picture of somebody who has been around, Mm -hmm. not just in intellectual Bible study, not just in associating good things and how it works and all that. This is a guy who what we call being in the face of
0: God, and he's experienced at it at he's, some yeah. level. You might even call it, he's been walking with the Lord.
1: Well, how do we know that? Well, because this conversation, and this is New Testament, Yeah. he's a saved guy, the Spirit's already around, just like what we live in. Yeah. And he's having conversations like Moses had with God. Right, right. And so... I'm seeing somebody, and when I say conversation, what I was saying was is you say, well, I'd have a i I could respond to God like that i it's
0: different if you spent some time, this is the kind of stuff that you get well, and that's the third thing. Okay. God spoke, he heard it, but then he he responded back to the Lord, and you see this throughout scripture, yeah, and it's and and it's it's I preached a sermon some months ago, maybe it was a year ago, about the response people have when they come face to face with the glory of the Lord, and it's, they go down as dead men. And there's that. This is a depiction that's beyond that initial mm, yeah. uh, exposure. Yeah. Okay. That's it's good. beyond that, oh my goodness, there he is, because Moses had that at the burning bush.
1: And that's, and yeah, so when he reveals himself, that's kind of the response. It's that the response.
0: Take off your shoes on holy ground. What did he do? He ate dirt. That's yeah. what he did. And trembled and blah, yeah. blah, blah. But then you see Moses and his relationship with the Lord move beyond that to where the scriptures describe it as God talked to him like a friend. Yes. And you see when the golden calves, all the whole deal. God's, I'm going to destroy these nasty people. I'm tired of them. They've all they've done is complain. They're going down. And what does Moses do? Does he go, "Okay, Lord, we'll start over"? It's not what he does. He says, "You can't do that.
1: Yeah,
0: I don't want you to do that." He defi- He stands between the people and the Lord and has a conversation. Yeah, and he's not belligerent. He's not being insubordinate. Right. He's talking right, right. with him as a friend. I was telling Tim uh, beforehand uh, to to give an analogy. It it doesn't. I, I was what I, the story that I was telling was. Uh, I have a. Uh, my brother, who's in the, the Air Force, he's a, a chief master sergeant. I think that's the right na- label, chief master sergeant. He's the highest enlisted man you can get. He's in the command, the command unit. Of his
1: he's a chief master sergeant. Chief, Ma-
0: yeah. They, they now I get to call him chief at Christmas. Yeah. Um, but he's in there with the officers in meetings and stuff. He's the enlisted man's high guy. And he's got officers above him in his wing. And, and he was just telling a story. I don't remember the substance of the story, but what stuck to me in the story was the base commander had questions for everybody. There was a logistics thing. They were getting ready to, I don't know if it was deployed or do maneuvers, do something. And it was a base, base-wide thing. And the officer above him you know, spoke into it for his people. But the base commander, if I remember correctly, turned to to my brother said, chief I want to hear from you. Well, protocol says, I've got an officer sitting right here that speaks for me and I'm do what he says. But the commander said, I want to hear from you and you've got the floor. Well, that's not a time to well, you know, and do belly button gazing. It's (laughs) no, he wanted to hear what you had to say. Yes. And though your rank may be different, that was an opportunity. He said, commander, whatever the colonel whatever he they are in there for whatever that level was I think this is a good idea or I think this is a bad idea and here's why here's what permission to speak freely you see the movie permission to speak freely sure whatever and that's the vision that I get of Ananias talking to the Lord yeah that's probably a he's now you know who you're telling me to go see now this is Paul and and he's not saying surely you don't know he's he's yeah. clarifying yeah and it's important to me the response that Jesus gives because it's it's not just just go and you don't get any details. He actually gave him some details. He did give him some details. He said, "You go and I'm." He didn't tell him tell him you go and you're going to be okay. He said, "You go and I'll take care of the rest." Yeah, and that's different. Well, and that's accepting and not.
1: Uh, Ananias trusts God. That's exactly right. And so he takes him at his word, and it says that he went, he found him, and he laid hands on him. Now, I'm going to tell you, and this doesn't say this, but just from living and being, uh, whether it's in ministry or some of the dangerous stuff I've done in my life, uh, under orders of people like that, I trust them to go. And I, Ananias has been prepared for this, or God would have never shown himself for that. I mean, prepared for that. Some of it may be on his hand, but I mean, God has yeah. led him to be at a position and has probably spent time with him. And I'm not saying they've had conversations like this in the past, but he recognized who he was talking to and he responded to him. And just like you said, he was past this awestruck thing whenever God showed up. You may think, well, that's blasphemous. You can't
0: do that. Well, sure you can. We we have m- multiple examples in scripture of where there's an intimacy with the father there's an intimacy through the holy spirit that it never transcends the awe it's always there yeah, it's always there but you learn to operate in it yeah just like moses did
1: that's why yeah. i pointed him out that that's you see the same conversations there you see him with uh uh, uh who took over moses's place joshua you see conversations with joshua and anyway same same you see this, this thing fold out. You only get that by spending time with the Lord. Right. And so, uh anyway, and my point is, Ananias goes and does it. But I guarantee you, he probably wasn't Mr. Confident. Goes busting in, slams this door open and goes, Where's I am this boy Paul at? <laughs> I am Ananias. I am here. <laughs> he, he probably was a little trepidatious walking into that well, herd. Just and- like
0: the analogy you gave the the Jew is going to pray for the Gestapo man. Well, I guarantee, I, I have, the I, I think visually, and I can see Ananias knocking on the door, got word where Paul is, you know, and then wherever that is, it would have probably been known because he was still with his traveling companions. Yes. Which were the Jews coming to get the Christians. Yes. And so wherever they were intending to go, that's probably where they were. And it was probably not a secret, whether it was at the synagogue or wherever. Well, he told him where it was at. He gave him specific directions. That's right, he did. The street and the address, basically. And so I can see him knocking on the door and his hand just shaking. You know, I kind of can too, but at the same time, I'm thinking of this,
1: you know, when you carry the authority of the Creator, or you mean a Creator that knows what they're doing. So in the room where you just gave, uh, in that case, the base commander or the wing commander, whatever he was, he was a muckety-muck in that yeah. big environment.
0: But he was tested and proven.
1: and uh, uh, And has real authority. Yeah. And he looks at your brother and says, tell me what you think, chief. Now, a chief has been in the military for... Twenty-five plus years. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody that's been around for a while. Yep. And not really intimidated by authority, to a big extent, because they've spent time with them. Yep. But respects it heavily. Yeah. <laughs> and so he, he, can speak. Yeah. With position. Well, in that regard. So when Ananias is going up and knocking on this door. I don't think he was kind of weakly knocking on the door. He did have some courage. He probably went up and knocked on the door, but he was still kind of going, whoever answers that door.
0: Well, that was the fourth thing that I, that, that hit me, was he did obey, but he didn't just obey. He obeyed and set aside his miscon- his misgivings. Yes. He was able to... That's real obedience. He was able to, yes. God spoke. He heard and recognized, and he obeyed even though he had trepidation about it. Yeah, He was able to move in the spirit of the Lord of obedience in spite of what his flesh was telling him because he trusted the one telling him. Combat veterans would tell you that's moving under fire. Right. <laughs> and that is an elder, yes. whether it's positional or functional yes. or just by time in the saddle. Absolutely. And you see that all through the Scripture. I'm not sure about this, Lord, but if that's what you want to do.
1: And I was telling you earlier not to focus on Paul being the issue here. Uh, Because we see Paul. We know that he was an elder, an apostle. We don't want to get into all those arguments. But my point is is that he positionally could act like Ananias here. Don't miss Ananias in this picture. He was a part of Paul doing what he did. And you never hear about him again
0: yeah if it wasn't for ananias where would paul be and that's kind of the, the way you want to look at it is there was a situation that god wanted to move paul through and how did he want to do it he used ananias to do it ananias like had the capacity to say i'm not going to go in no way i'm going into that third world country where they might kill me even though you said so you know, <laughs> fill in the blank yeah. Yeah. however he was able to go because of the trust that he had now here here's the thing that we we i think we always have to boil it down to. And here's what people will say. Well, how do you get to be that guy? How do you get to be Ananias? Give me the five things. Give me the, if we were writing a book, it would be the seven things to become a leader like Ananias or whatever. There isn't one. There's only one way to get to that place and that's spending time with the Lord. And that's why every time we talk, it almost seems redundant redundant in the first order but it's not and it's not trite yeah it's wrestling with God like Jacob it's being in God's face like Moses it's in utter submission to whatever he wants but it's a constant pursuit of who are you and it looks like opening this book up and devouring it and praying and asking God to reveal and going back and asking people that have been there and and it's a constant, relentless pursuit of the Lord. That's yeah. why I think Paul told Timothy when he said, go out and appoint elders in these new churches. He said, I believe it's 2 Timothy 3, I think. Somebody correct me on that if it's not. He said, don't lay hands on them too quickly. Yeah. In other words, you give them some time in the saddle because if they can't relentlessly pursue the face of God, they're not going to be able to hear discuss and obey in spite of trepidation they're not going to be able to and that's the requirement yeah that's the fundamental requirement now are there requirements and qualifications given in here for a man that would fit that role in the position of leading in a congregation yes there are but underneath every single one of them is a desire for and a practice of relentlessly pursuing the face of god to learn who he is
1: that's almost their natural default yes and they're an elder without even being one
0: it deacons the same way but yeah they just we have some some guys in our church i will use this as an example that are uh, they're deacons and we we talk about this ad, ad nauseum with with some guys at church um they don't hold an official office of deacon there's no there's no lapel tip, pin or you know or anything like that but they do the work of a deacon because yeah. it's their gifting and it's what they do and they serve they literally do serve the widows and they're out there taking out the trash and when somebody's in need they're taking care of it because they are deacons yes whether they're holding that office or not is irrelevant they're doing the work um and if you got to a place where you're like hmm we need some deacons we need to install one or two. What do we who, well, wonder who it would be? It, it would not take long to figure out, well, here's here's five guys that are doing it already. Yeah, we, we you know. We, and and you're, you see what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. It's because it's a it's an outflow of who we are as people, as a gifting or whatever. Now, somebody may be sitting out there going, yeah, but I don't aspire to the office of an elder. I just want to walk with the Lord. Well, it looks the same. (laughs) It looks the same. It looks the same. Man, does it look the same. And you may never hold an official position, but becoming a mature believer, and I guess that's what, we get hung up on the title, yeah. really maybe a better way to say it was, what does it look like to be a mature believer? Yeah. I told the students on Wednesday night, you know, following Jesus is way more than belonging to an organization or belonging to a group. Yeah, uh, that's what we've boiled it down to, you know, to get on the boat, so to speak. Um, but that's not it. It's a lifestyle. It is a falling. There's a song that talks about it. Need, it's a falling in love with somebody. And that causes you to be different. And and so we're talking about that maturity, not just ascending to a position. But you can't ascend to the position unless you're already in the play. in the, in the as the person and you do that by just pursuing the Lord
1: yeah and you may say well God doesn't talk to me I disagree I would disagree with that if you love the Lord it's learning what that sounds like mm-hmm. now if you're in a place and, and when I say in a place I'm talking about just who you are personally and where you do that I'm not talking about being in a position of not an elder whatever or a geographic or position um, If you're, man, my brain is just terrible today. Speaking, God doesn't speak to me. Well, he does. Well, I will say if you're in a position, because that's a good analogy. I'm not beating you up if you are and you don't see it this way. But if you've been posted in a position, elder, deacon, nursery worker, whatever it is, uh, you're trying to live up to that position. I guarantee you you are. I would too. Uh, You want to do a good job. Want to do a good job. And maybe you weren't the best Christian. And what I mean by that, really knowing what you're doing. In the military, you find people all the time that are thrust in positions to have to deal with something. Ain't got a clue. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and so that's not necessarily a bad thing, but what I am telling you is, is if you're in a if you are in a position where people are looking to you and you haven't naturally well you haven't supernaturally been put in that place because you haven't spent the time and I guarantee everybody in a position is guilty they feel guilty because i I know I haven't spent the time trying to be this or do that if yeah. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think we've probably all done that. But somebody that's looking for you to pursue the kingdom, yes, you pursue the kingdom and those things, but don't pursue the kingdom so you can hold the spot. Right. And we talk about, well, God doesn't talk to me. Don't get lost in that. You may be doing it in a way where, well, if God speaks to me, it has to look like this. Right. You can't put God in a box like that.
0: He is the creator, so he can do things that seem supernatural to you, but they're like breathing to him. And that was the whole Wednesday night, the contrast that was made between Ananias and Elisha. As we see Elisha doing all, he was the prophet of God in the Old Testament, and it was like, you know, it just, in it was intuitive. Yes. You know, it was like he woke up in the morning knowing what the Lord wanted him to do and talk with him and whatever. Poor Jehazi, his guy, you know, in the story that we used Wednesday, didn't know what was happening. He had to pray. His eyes would be opened. Oh, look! And and we we kind of hold these guys up like, well, that's what we expect the yeah. prophet of God. To, this is what we expect it to look like when God speaks. Well, the flip side of that is Ananias, just a guy hanging out at the house. Yeah. Hearing yeah. hearing the news stories come over the wire about <laughs> this dude Saul coming out to round up all the Christians. Yeah. And has a vision about it. Yes, and it it abruptly interrupts his daily life, and he's not Elisha. He's just a guy pursuing and walking with the Lord in his local context. Yes, he's just a guy, and and we're always talking about the humanity of the of the biblical characters because it's so easy to forget that they were people. Yeah, dealing with all of the junk that we deal with, And,
1: and whatever your junk you're dealing with you can find a scenario where that's there (laughs) and you
0: may have to look for it sometimes yeah but i mean to to wrap up one of the the thing we wanted to, to really talk about today was i'll use the term elders but put a put a little lowercase e on it uh let's use the word mature believers yeah Mature believers don't always look like what you expect them to look like, especially if you think the only thing they can look like is Elisha yeah, or the pastor, yeah. or you fill in the blank. I would say that those guys are mature, but I also have met some really mature people that never held an office. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll give you a case in point. I don't have it in here anymore. I don't think. Yeah, I do there's a wooden, you can't see it. There's a wooden sign behind me and it's called the King's Daughters. And it was a a plaque on the outside of a Sunday school room at Martins Mill Baptist Church. And it was the widows.
1: Mm, Yeah.
0: Miss Johnny was in there. Your aunt Johnny was in there. And, um, Miss Lena was in there for a while. Mm. Um, and, uh, I just lost her name. Uh, Miss Virginia. Miss Virginia. And uh Miss Johnny was a real tall lady. She's like 6'2, six 6'3 six something like. I mean, I don't know. She was tall. And uh I'd see her at church every Sunday. And uh, she'd bend down and kiss me on the forehead right here every single time she saw me and just loved on me. And you'd walk in that room with those ladies, and they'd have their big old Bibles open, super giant print because they were old and couldn't see. And you would just listen to them talk. I would love to just sit in there and listen to them. And then there's Miss Virginia, whose husband went up into the pasture to do something on the tractor and didn't come back. And she went up and found him. He'd had an accident, and he died there. And she buried several children. Yeah. And every year on her birthday, the Sunday after her birthday, she would stand up in front of the church and give her testimony of how God had been good to her that year. And I'll never forget (laughs) one of the last times she did it. I was waiting for the big warm fuzzy, and she stood up there and asked the church to forgive her and asked God to grant her repentance. we're like, what? You're like 90 years old? You are a soldier, a, a hero of the faith. And she started confessing bitterness and anger towards people that she needed to let down that she'd been holding on to and some of them were in the room
1: that's somebody that converses with the lord right there
0: every single day and when you talked to them and so why am i talking about them because they never held a position of elder yeah they never were a deacon they were just elders of the faith they were mature believers and you could tell when you talked with them uh, Mother Singleton at the gates. Yeah. We sat down and talked with her a few weeks ago before church started, and we're just listening to her talk. And we're, I look over and Tim and I are both tears coming. <laughs> just listen to, because the Spirit's just oozing out of her in oh, yeah. everyday conversation. That's somebody who spent time with the Lord. That's powerful stuff.
1: And my comment about, well, God doesn't speak to me. He is speaking to you. And part of that learning curve is learning when he's doing that and how he does it for you because that he speaks to me baby completely different you got visions you got just sounds like just outside conversation you got spirit conviction i mean there's all kinds of you things. you got
0: the word you've got yes. the testimony of others and and we know he does that because of what he said about moses he oh, says yeah. i don't talk to him in riddles and story visions like i do the prophets so they had to figure it out he said no i tell i talk to him plainly yeah so well but that's not prescriptive meaning everything is one way or the other it just what do we know about the nature and the character of god from that that he communicates differently with different people at his own behest and his own whatever yeah but the promise that we have in the new testament is that his sheep hear his voice and know it Even if you don't want to hear it. Even if you don't want to hear it. (laughs) Even if he's saying, go pray over the Gestapo. Whatever he's saying, the thing that strikes me about Ananias is is when the shepherd spoke, the sheep understood.
1: Yes, they did. He
0: never questioned whether or not God was speaking. He was clarifying what he was wanting him to do. Yeah. And once that was clarified, he went because of who was speaking. That's the mark. Yeah, that's the mark of the mature believer that, yeah. that we're always pushing to because people in our culture, it's just, it's the air we breathe. How do I become a better ex? Fill in the blank. Take these two gummies every morning and be a better whatever. You know, take be, lose, <laughs> lose 30 pounds with no ex. I mean, that's that's the culture we live in. Right. And people want to know how, well, what are my 10 steps to becoming a better Christian? there's really only one that you have to start with. And that's, you got to pursue. Well, and that kind of
1: brings to the point here. We got to, we got to land this thing. I listen to Matt tell me about the kingdom so I'll know what God wants me to do. That's a legitimate teaching function. But the mature Christian, the elder type, God tells you himself. Yeah. Now I'm telling you that from my own walk. I listen to people I respect. But I spend time with the lord and and work that out, and He reveals things to me, and sometimes it's not easy, and sometimes it's plain as day, yeah uh, but the mature Christian is the one that's getting it straight out of him, just like these old ladies he was talking about in the room. You couldn't go in there without watching them going over the scriptures with each other, and it's like the angels are sitting there talking about the oh, kingdom. Man,
0: it was incredible,
1: yeah. That's, that's people who know what God sounds like and like spending time with him.
0: Well, and, and even if you're listening to someone that you respect, that's why we teach the Bible study training. Yeah. Be a Berean. What did they do? It says they were more noble than the Thessalonians because they checked everything that they heard to make sure it was so. Just because I respect Tim doesn't mean that everything Tim says is right. It's too. No, it's not and but through the scriptures and the when God reveals things to us in the scriptures through the spirit, through prayer, through Tim, through somebody else, through whatever, it's still God revealing himself. Yeah. That's how and so how do I become a mature Christian? You pursue the Lord. Well, I don't know how to pursue the Lord. Well, that's a problem because it's actually not a complicated process. You get in here, you pray and you ask him, you just you, I'm trying to think of an analogy for pursuing. Well, I would tell you
1: if you say I don't know how to pursue him, or I have and he hadn't said anything. He probably has. He just didn't do it the way you, you thought he should.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I would that. I would encourage you to chill out yes. and keep at it. Yes. You may be in the desert for a while. You may, but that doesn't mean he's not there. Yes. Bible study, prayer, fellowship with the saints, worship—those are the things, the important things that help us pursue God. Um, there's no checklist, there's no formula, and I will I would even go as so far as to say when you're in that dark spot of you're not even sure about anything. That that quiet place of prayer that has a genuine heart that says I don't know, but I sure would like to. Yeah, is a good place to be. That's a good place to be. Appreciate you. We'll yeah. holler at y'all next time, man. I'm glad you're back today. Me too. Good to have you. Good to have somebody to talk to. We love you guys. I don't know if anybody was even listening today, but if you listen to it on the backside, see you later. We love you all. If I can get my mouse to work, we're actually going to get out of here.